0: Story, guys. So I felt purely outsmarted by my kids for the first time tonight. Has this happened to you yet?
1: Yeah. I got a, I got a pretty smart little nine-year-old. I think it's just, I feel like Abe Simpson sometimes. You know, like Homer's dad. You know, <laughs> Grandpa Simpson. It's not that her incredible intellect is, is beating me down. It, it's just sort of like my slow decline is what's happening. And she just... Gets to point out like how just you know something I've done is completely ridiculous so but you probably you still have your wits about you and (laughs) Kids are very clever. So what did they do? The age
0: difference between us is not that much. But, uh, yeah, so at at 8 and 12, they still are punished sometimes by having, um, you know, they're basically like losing dessert. Like, let's just leave it to beaver, right? Like, uh, hey, if you don't get your behavior together, you don't get anything extra after dinner, which I don't know. I'm sure there are a lot of blogs that would tell me that's a terrible way to parent. But it seems to be pretty effective most of the time. And uh, so both of them, over the last few days, for a lot of different reasons, have lost that privilege to have sweet stuff or, or anything else and so they still like to have the routine of having a snack or something before they go to bed right and yeah. um, and so this is what they came up with <laughs> my wife and I are in the living room and they're like hey we're gonna have yogurt and I was like okay yogurt's a healthy snack you can have they're like, so we took some some gogurts, like yogurt in a tube, mm-hmm. and we put it in the freezer, and basically, okay. Mom and dad, they're popsicles, so watch us eat popsicles in front of you right now oh my <laughs> and both gosh. and both Deborah and I were like, we really want to punish this, but they kind of beat us. Like, I can't take away yogurt, and they didn't do anything to the yogurt other than change its form, no. which doesn't no. actually justify. It's only that they enjoy eating it in this form differently than they do the other form, but I feel beaten by that, and it is, it's not a good feeling.
1: Well, the the other thing is that you can't punish your kids for using ingenuity to do something.
0: (laughs) I know. I know. You're like, (laughs) I don't really want to admit that you just used science to outwit me, but congratulations. I'm glad you believe in science.
1: I'm glad this unit you just
0: did on solids, liquids, and and, uh, gases has paid off.
1: It's like that story I told you about the mom that decided to punish her son by... You know, deleting his entire Minecraft universe, right? Oh, yeah, like, yeah.
0: So you said you saw this online, and some lady was saying, like, am I the jerk because I deleted his Minecraft? And this is what we talked about, right? Like, you can't delete yeah. Minecraft because that's like creation. It's not just a video game. And this story clearly just illustrates the woman doesn't understand
1: Minecraft. Yes. I, for, I forgot to say that the worst part. So she didn't understand. She, t- she taped over like it she- with episodes of Designing Women. <laughs> Now, yeah, what is
0: this? No. Yeah. no, that just seems like the the thing when we were kids. Like that's how you got in trouble. It was like I had this cool ball game or I had this cool show that I was watching, and it's like, oh, I accidentally taped over. I mean, my mom never did that, but for some reason that that to me was like the 1989 equivalent of rubbing salt in the wound. Wait, who taped over Encino Man? Come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. So my wife is in the studio to heard us recording. Tell me the story.
2: Um, i used to watch encino man every day in ninth grade because sure. i was not smart apparently and my st-
0: hey, encino man is a great movie please do not disparage disparage encino man
2: it kind of is it's got science in it it's all about popularity in high school social norms the citizen kane. I
0: mean, it's, it's like, it is like citizen kane have we have we showed this to the kids yet have we showed encino man to the kids i think it's rated pg
2: you know, man, like being happy they have a warm, safe place to live and not an ice block. They understand language barriers and cultural norms. We really could use it as punishment if they seem ungrateful.
0: So you watched it every day in ninth grade. and What happened?
2: My stepbrother decided to record over it. So we couldn't watch it anymore because it was on VHS and I'm pretty sure we had recorded it off TV.
1: <laughs> what did what did, they, what did he record it on it?
2: I don't even remember. It was something horrible, though, something he wouldn't even want to watch. But he was just a jackass.
0: I just imagine it was Bloodsport with Jean-Claude Van Damme.
1: <laughs> I don't know why someone hasn't remade War Games. It seems like it's
0: ripe for it.
1: Yeah, and I mean, greetings, Professor Falcon. Like, I've seen that movie so many damn times. <laughs> um, I don't even know, like, I showed it to Sonya and, like, we talked about thermal global nuclear war and what it was like in the 1980s to be scared that you were going to be annihilated by nuclear weapons and, um, you know, there's a whole spookiness about the guy who was the programmer that they went to go find. Ally Sheedy, for Pete's sake. Yeah.
0: <laughs> was that the um, movie you rewatched and watched over and over the most when
1: you were a kid? Nope. That would be Private School with Phoebe cake <laughs> Oh, and yeah. We've, we've talked about this. Yeah. So I really like Private
0: School a lot. Mine was mission impossible the first one the the one from not not the tv series but the 1997 movie and I, i i didn't realize that i had done this but my son and i started watching the mission impossible series backwards and that's not a great way to watch the series because let me tell you the way they make those movies now is a lot different than the way they made those movies in 97 and so we watched fallout which is the most recent one i think and have you seen that movie First of all, it was an inappropriate parenting decision on my part because it's way too intense for an eight-year-old. And he was literally at the end of it like wide-eyed and stuck to the chair, you know, like what just happened? But then it was like an adrenaline rush and he needed to see another one. So we watched – we actually haven't seen the one right before that, but then we watched the one before that, which is probably at this point like eight or ten years old and J.J. Abrams directed it. And it's much more – It's good. I mean, it's it's the violence is to a minimum. It's mostly just an action flick with crazy stunts. It's very much like J.J. Abrams on TV. So it it was it was good, and he really liked that one. I was like, got nostalgic in this process to see the early ones. So I bought the first three on Blu-ray, and we watched the first one. and Brian De Palma made the first one. Like. I don't know. You know Brian De Palma. Like, Brian De Palma makes like smoky noir films, right? He made a lot of weird kind of almost sexy stuff. And so, the first Mission Impossible is like weirdly sexy for lack of a better term. Like, there's a lot of this like, like, uh, I just, to describe it, I just want to go da 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 You know what I mean? There's just this, like, weird thing where, like, women in tight black dresses walk in the room all the time. And it's not, like, inappropriate. It's just, like, it's just sexy. It's just weird. And so he has this whole noir, sexy noir thing happening through that whole movie. But anyway, all that to say, kids mildly enjoyed that movie, but I was, like, I know every line to this movie like it was so strange that I didn't remember that I had watched it over and over and over and I would literally be like I know exactly what that character is about to say to the other character and I had no idea that I would be able to do this through the whole movie it was crazy Uh, I must have watched that movie dozens and dozens of times and I don't really I did not know but it was
1: like muscle memory that came back super weird. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I I straight up don't like those kinds of films, uh, Brian, but I remember the first Mission Impossible movie I saw, I was like, you know what, Um, screw Tom Cruise and his religion, but man, he makes great movies. Well, you know, he still does all
0: his stunts. I was hearing a conversation today about uh, stunts and would there ever be a stunt category at the Oscars and somebody was like, you know, it's all CGI now except for Tom Cruise and the guys that make the John Wick movies. Like, everybody else doesn't do real stunts. But Tom Cruise still does. And it's how he will die, I am sure of it. What? What were the stunts like in private school?
1: um, It was where (laughs) where these two guys, it was like this fat guy and this other guy dressed up in drag to go... <laughs> um over to this girl party, and then the girls all knew it was guys, and then they like turned up the heat the heat in like as you know as the summer or whatever, and they were like sweating, so they had to uh, take their costumes off. they were trying to get them out of their costumes. No, they were just making them real. They were just messing with them. You know, it's totally weird. Um, but no, the movie that I've seen over and over again more than anything is is Goodfellas. And it's a stereotype because it's like I might as well like you know be one of those guys that has like a Scarface and a Goodfellas poster in his house. I don't, by the way. Um, I just have seen Goodfellas a lot. So I had uh,
0: actually not seen it all the way through until recently. Yeah, I've had a, because of my upbringing as a preacher's kid with a pretty tight rein on what I was allowed to watch while I lived in my parents' house. I have these weird, these big weird gaps in my movie watching history. And so... I go to the movies uh, every weekend with some friends of mine. And now in quarantine, we're meeting up virtually and watching a movie together. And so instead of seeing new movies, one of my buddies is, uh, he's like, we got to go back and fill in the holes. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, there's so many things you haven't seen that I need you to see. So his first entry into this was Starship Troopers, which, (laughs) which is fantastic like yeah. it, it, i highly enjoyed that movie for all its camp and the ways in which it does not hold up but also just for the storytelling like it's a big beefy movie and i i Don't buy the love triangle in it. Like, as beautiful as Denise Richards is, I'm like a dizzy guy the whole time. I'm like, why why are you not with that gorgeous girl who really likes you this entire movie? And then immediately dies when they get together. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Immediately, like they don't even give her thirty seconds. Like it's the biggest horror movie cliche. I took a college in class. I took a college in class. I took a class in college on horror movies.
1: Did I <laughs> have I ever told you this story? Um, no, but you just told me you took a college in class. But go ahead, tell me. About I the took class a college. Co- <laughs> I don't know if you see
0: my lips recently, but um, so no, I took a class in college uh, on. It was actually called pop culture, and it was it was about kind of how to pay attention to pop culture and interpret it and I will never forget the first book we read was uh, or the first thing we read in that class was this essay on why the invention of the Walkman was so important um, because it privatized public space and it created a private experience inside a public forum
1: it's great, yeah, yeah.
0: And so that was like day one of that class. So that class was amazing. But we read this whole book on horror movies and, and the cliches and the things that happen and and how they relate to gender and other things, right? So it was really interesting. But one of the rules is like as soon as the like pure girl is corrupted in a horror movie, she is killed. Like she she's not allowed to live. By the rules of the horror universe, and so Starship Troopers kind of borrows that. As soon as, yeah. as soon as Dizzy and Casper Van Dien or whatever his name is get together, like Dizzy dies instantaneously <laughs> like within like 30 seconds I mean, they just just like all of a sudden they're in war and dizzy is gonna get killed um but yeah man that movie is great i invited you to join that zoom party and all you said to me was like oh my god starship troopers so what was what, what was your experience with starship troopers
1: uh i saw it when it came out um i didn't see it in the theater but i saw it like first run on hbo or skinamax one of those and uh then i used to watch it in college with friends um is one of those things that you got together and hung out and you know got kind of loaded and watched starship starship troopers that that was a thing as it wasn't happening or anything but you know everybody really liked that movie and, and it's, um, it's kind of long
0: like it's well over two hours i think
1: yeah it's not a yeah it's not like a typical 90 minute thing but um it's i mean it's still it still really holds up. Did you ever see Ice Pirates? So,
0: I owned a copy of Ice Pirates on VHS for years because a friend of mine and I who still watch movies together, who's part of that Sunday night club. We have known each other since we were 6 and when we were about 12, one of us and I think Ben who's been, who's been on Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories uh recently uh, I think it was the three of us rented ice pirates, and we couldn't get over the space herpes thing
1: space herpes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: When the space herpes showed up as as middle school boys, we thought we'd seen the greatest work of cinematic achievement in our entire lives. And so, years later, when we all got separated, went to different schools or whatever, I, one of the going away presents at some point—I can't one of the Bens, these these two uh, guys named Ben. One of them gave me Ice Pirates on VHS, and I had it for years. I might still have it, to be honest with you, somewhere.
1: Yeah, there is that moment in the movie where it's like what's going on? It's like space herpes. The ship has space herpes. Yeah. And I don't know how I found out what exactly was happening there. Um, (laughs) I knew it wasn't good, but then I didn't, I don't know how I found out exactly what is part of that meant. But now I know. Well, I I heard a
0: guy the other day talking about, how he thought he could show his kids space balls and it would be okay during quarantine No, (laughs) he said they made it nine minutes and his son who's like nine still every every day is like remember that time you showed us that lightsaber penis movie dad Yeah, the light (laughs) favorite
1: theme. Yeah,
0: the way this works is we grab a story starter, usually a song title, and it tells us a little something about uh, what theme we need to have. So I just have a bunch of '80s songs in this hat. Yay! We like to revisit different decades and styles of music and be. Forget about me. That's in
1: here. Um,
0: that, that's in here, but basically every time I try to tell a song or try to tell a story after hearing that song, I just tell about that time that I went to detention with the nerd and that one girl and the jock. And, and people tell me they've heard that story before. Okay, so we have uh, Don't You Forget About Me. We have "Iran." We have uh, Ghost of You by the Psychedelic Furs. We have Girls Just Want to Have Fun, which will be a weird one, but I'm sure we'll find something for that. And, and there's a couple others in here. Let's see what we got
1: hey it's ghost, ghost of you by psychedelic first ah i was gonna say i know how to play i ran it's uh an f and c it's just two chords pretty much the whole time
0: i know how to okay. do my hair like i'm in flock of seagulls. <laughs> does that
1: count for anything yeah um okay the ghost in you a ghost do you believe in ghosts uh, y- yeah sure you ever seen one no but i've seen a ufo do tell yeah, you know what they do is people that said they've seen a UFO,
0: like Area Fifty One style. Were you were you no. gonna were you gonna barge into Area Fifty One?
1: No, 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 do
0: you think COVID was just a a big farce to keep us out of Area Fifty One?
1: Yeah, so um, so I was on a boat with a friend of mine and his girlfriend, and at some point we had made the decision that we really needed to get back to um, his car, like he had a hitch on his car to uh, to pull this boat around and it was getting dark and he ran out of gas and we're out in the middle of a lake and uh, I immediately started to kind of panic and then I realized he had like two oars and we we're paddling and It got dark, so we couldn't see, um, but he had a spotlight, so he was shining it around just to, like, see where the shore was, but, you know, we were kind of out in the middle of nowhere. There was, like, nowhere to take the boat, and we thought, well, maybe we'll take the boat anywhere um, just so we can, like, hold up on shore, and we'll just try to figure out where to walk to the car somehow. And we got tired (laughs) after a while. I remember that because we'd been, we have been, you know, trying to get the boat somewhere. We'd taken a little break, and we saw this light. Like it was like a off in the distance, and it was you know it's bright, but it was clearly brighter than everything else in the sky wasn't very large, but it was like a, a light that was like a rectangle so it wasn't a sphere um, and then it moved a little bit and you know, in retrospect it was moving very fast, even though like you're kind of looking at it, it looks like it isn't but like ah, it looks like it's moving fast and then it moved a little bit like either to the left or the right <clears throat> um, and then it went <clears throat> It disappeared so you and think then, you think it was an alien I don't know could have been an aircraft I mean, we were like 30 miles from Oak Ridge National Laboratory like it could have been an American aircraft you know um, yeah I don't know it's weird
0: but there's part of you that thinks it might have been alien life form.
1: Um, I I can't really buy into it I, I just don't know whether if, if a lot of that stuff are if that's aircraft that has been created here or if they are unmanned aircraft that are from somewhere else I have a hard time getting to the little green men I really do
0: I mean, I guess by strict definition, a UFO is an unidentified flying object. So you're comfortable with saying, I saw a flying object I couldn't identify. Yes. But you're not necessarily going to say it was like, you know, Arthur C. Clarke, childhood in kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. I mean, how do I know what I saw? You know, I'm like, I guess like what they told President Carter, you saw the moon or you saw the North Star. Um, You didn't see a UFO. But yeah, it was weird. I remember we had to talk about it. We we're like, are we going to tell anyone? And there was a consensus that we weren't going to tell anyone. And now uh, we now it,
0: we've broken the story right here.
1: I think the consensus we, that people would think that we were crazy. Um and I don't think I cared about it then, I don't know. So it is weird, it was strange. And it was right after that, like, we had the spotlight, and, like, boop, there was his car. Didn't take much longer after that. We we got to shore.
0: So is there any part of you that thinks that light led you to shore? Um, you're, like, aimlessly lost, and then all of a sudden you're home after you see this weirdness.
1: I mean, we, who's not to say it wasn't a benevolent
0: alien force?
1: We... We thought you know, it crossed our minds. Um, it was It was a very odd coincidence. So
0: I don't have a story about an unidentified flying object, but I do have a story that's kind of similar about, like, a ghost presence, right? So I not like slamming doors in my house ghost. Um, I worked with some folks uh, on a contract a few months ago who we worked out of, out of an older house, and they, they would joke every morning that Mary was in the house. Mary was the ghost that lived upstairs, and they would hear things. And throughout the time we worked in this place, they had a lot of stories about unexplained things that were happening, you know, with doors being shut and windows and that kind of stuff, right? I, I don't have very many experiences like that, but right before my son was born, literally a week before, my best friend since high school committed suicide. You know this about me. And uh, it was a really tough. That that fall was really, really tough. Um, we knew each other at that point, but I don't know if you knew any of this was going on. And, uh, no, I did uh, So when he... It was a week before my son was born, and because of that, I couldn't. Uh, I, I couldn't leave my wife to go. I knew that the baby was coming. I couldn't go to the funeral. So there's just a lot of unresolved stuff. So when my son was born, when I, I fell asleep in the hospital, and I would say the rational side of me says I had a dream, uh, but there is a there is a spiritual side that says maybe I had a visitation where. I actually... Chris, my friend who had who had died, came and held Harper and told me he was sorry and then, like, handed Harper back to me and disappeared and I woke up just hysterically crying and it was the only time I've ever been like, that was... That may have just been my brain making peace with the BS of the universe, you know what I
1: mean? Mm, yeah.
0: But at its minimum it was that at its maximum it was something more than that and uh it's always been like one of the most beautiful things that you know is dark and human and gross but uh it's like you know being in the middle of a lake lost and all of a sudden finding the shore when the ufo shows up i mean it's similar right it's like this sense of direction you have all of a sudden
1: yeah um life's cool like that um it is nice when the coincidence um, has magic to it. It is. It really is.
0: Well, I always say, I, I just, I like to believe in magic, right? Like, people are like, you, you know, what do you think about God? What do you think about this? Like, I, don't, I don't know. I like to live in a world where magic exists. I mean, I believe in science, but I also like to think that sometimes science bends a little bit. That's why my favorite works of fiction or movies or whatever are, they, are like what they kind of call magic realism. Like, have you ever read the book Exit West?
1: Yeah, no, I know what that is.
0: So it's it's really short. It came out like four or five years ago. It's only like 200, 250 pages. I highly recommend it. But basically, it's this like allegory about immigration. But the twist in it is that these folks, instead of immigrating the way you would have to immigrate in our world, there's these folks in a war-torn country who discover a door. And once they go through a door, they just end up in another country. And it's about this relationship. It's this boy and this girl who are having a relationship and they are in a war-torn country and they go through a door and they end up in, and so they're immigrating together as these two. So it follows both their relationship and this idea of displacement. And it is awesome. And it's like the best way I've ever had somebody who's not who's not an immigrant and has not dealt with an immigrant story really outside of something someone has told me or I've read or seen somewhere else. Like this was the most resonant thing where I was like really able to, as a reader be like, I understand what this experience is like and I have empathy for the idea of it because of the way it was described and explained in this idea that the immigration experience happens so quickly, right? And so it is literally just like falling through a door and suddenly being somewhere else. So highly recommend that. But I say that because a lot of times I think about how that to me is is how I like to view the universe. Like maybe there's a door somewhere (laughs) I can fall into another place. Maybe. I probably will never find it, but maybe.
1: Yeah. One door shuts, another one opens.
0: Always happens. We we should just say platitudes to each other for the rest of the episode you know like uh
1: break a leg don't look a gift horse in the mouth
0: (laughs) i say we both get five you know our stories were pretty were pretty like soul-bearing today we both get 500 points i think are you good with that
1: yeah yeah i I think that i think that we all want to talk to each other so sure yeah
0: you mean talk about this kind of stuff? Like, be a little more vulnerable.
1: Yeah, I think that even if people that are at home, like you and I, that are with our families, there's still there's still this sense of loneliness or solitude that somehow is prevalent, one way or another, um, that you feel. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I tend for my stories to be funny or, or want my stories to be funny. So you you might be narrowing in on something in my COVID quarantine psyche that just bears like one of my most sensitive stories haphazardly in the middle of this podcast.
1: <laughs> well, you know, we tried getting together and do this. Like, we do this right after all of this started. And it was it was weird. It was like two people hadn't talked who were trying to learn how to talk to each other. Uh, because it was such a. Without even thinking about it, like we, we just didn't. It was things had gotten so upended so fast. It was. It what well, for me personally? Anyway, I'm just speaking for myself. I well, no, it was it.
0: so fast, and it happened literally. So we our birthdays on the calendar are two weeks apart, mm-hmm. and so it happened my birthday weekend, and then so by we were in the thick of it by your birthday weekend. Yeah
1: yeah and then we tried to get together to talk once and i didn't feel like i was an I felt like i was an alien um because i couldn't be funny or tell stories in a normal way yeah i think we both get the, the points
0: okay let's do it this was good man i feel i feel good i feel better
1: Feel like we're work- tired.
0: <laughs> well, hey, get some sleep, but also keep telling stories, buddy.
2: Story Guys is a production of Brian Eichenberger and Mark Murdoch. Get more stories, hear more podcasts, and book the guys for your conference or house party at WeAreTheStoryGuys.com. Boy, have we got stories! Productions. All rights reserved.